0: Welcome back, everyone, to Voices by Viv. Uh, today, I am joined by Amanda Brayback, the uh, face and person behind <laughs> Brayback. Um, Amanda is also a certified personal trainer um, and a group fitness instructor, and I'm super excited to have her on the podcast here today. So welcome, Amanda. Thanks for being here.
1: Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm not used to like being interviewed, so... <laughs> We'll see how it goes.
0: (laughs) It used to be on the other side of things. You used to be in my shoes. Yeah,
1: it's a lot easier. I mean, not easier, but like, you know, you prep for your episode. You ask the questions and just like let them take it away. So now it's a different kind of pressure. Yeah, I was just
0: going to say, pressure's off me. Like you're the star of the show here. (laughs) Oh,
1: God. (laughs) No, I'm excited. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, and, and so before we jump into anything else, maybe I can just turn it over for you, to you for a second here and just have you introduce yourself and share a little bit more about who you are, how you got to where you are, and obviously a little bit about Build With Braille Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so again, my name is Amanda. I'm a fitness instructor in Boston, and um, I actually have more of a background in like marketing and event planning. Um, so I kind of just stumbled upon the whole fitness thing, um, which I feel like is just kind of a fun story. Cause I think people put themselves in boxes a little bit and like, oh, I can never do that. Or, you know, I've been doing this for how many years I can't do something different. So that's just not true. Um, but yeah, I'll keep it. Quick. So after I graduated from UNH in 2014 um, with a communication and like marketing degree, I moved to Boston and worked at Boston Magazine on their marketing team for a few years, planning a lot of fun events around the city. And then I ended up bopping to um, Cape Air. So if you've ever flown to like Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard, a regional airline so I was doing marketing for them and I actually because I was traveling a lot for them was working full-time remote which gave me a ton of free time to like explore other things so then I actually um if you've ever heard of kick it by Eliza I'm sure you have in Boston um was brought to a couple of her classes by some friends and like absolutely fell in love with the like positive female energy and the inclusiveness and community and all of that. And my friends convinced me to get certified to be an instructor. And then it kind of just like snowballed from there and just kind of fell in love with all the connection that you can make and just like the positive energy um, that you're surrounded by. So I quit my job and along the way also um, got certified but got my personal training certification and started teaching at Everybody Fights and Cycle Bar. And yeah, just dove right in full time. And we can kind of get into like since then a little deeper, maybe later. But um during the like quarantine and COVID and all of that, obviously there was a lot of uncertainty. And like lost my job, was just trying to like figure it out. And like, obviously it was a horrible time in the world, but silver lining, like I feel like I really came into my own and like learned so much more about what I actually need mentally and physically and how much like as much as I thought I was taking care of my body by like exercising constantly and saying yes to everything. I actually was like (laughs) treating myself so horribly so it kind of shifted my focus to so much more like body confidence, intuitive eating, and like healing all that stuff within myself. And now hopefully helping other people to heal that kind of stuff and just be nicer to themselves. So that was not short, but that's about <laughs> also, that.
0: <laughs> I love I loved to hear um, people's kind of like career transitions like that, like – starting in marketing and being in just sort of like a, I guess, a more um, typical or like corporate, like like traditional, yeah, to then be, you know, transitioning to something that it sounds like speaks a lot more to, you know, what you love, and you know, how you kind of value your time. Um, And I also just want to like, paint the picture for people who obviously can't see it I was listening this podcast behind Amanda I'm seeing the bike I'm seeing the shoes I'm seeing kettlebells I'm seeing dumbbells and mats and it's just like this amazing picture I just I that's just- so
1: funny I that yeah out. I'm sitting on the floor of my like guest bedroom that I turned into a little home gym during <laughs> quarantine because there's no real podcast studio
0: <laughs> that is awesome that yes. is awesome. Would you say, like, and you've kind of already alluded to this, but as you um, kind of, I don't know, were forced to take sort of this time to reflect with the pandemic and, you know, quarantine, losing your job, like, sounds like some of the main takeaways were, like, you know, treating your body in different ways and things like that. But, like, can you give us kind of a general overview of how the pandemic shifted sort of your work and your mindset. Cause it sounds like that was probably a, a pretty substantial transition from like where you started to, to where your kind of focus is now.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I was really on like just the hamster wheel that so many of us get on, you're just on autopilot, you know, doing a million things every day. And I think it also was like, I was still fairly new in this full-time fitness journey and didn't really have much direction. So it just was kind of like, I have to say yes to everything or else like, well, first of all, you only get paid when you're working. So like no time off, which is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so the pandemic hit. It's actually a funny turn of events that I kind of forget about. So two weeks before everything shut down or around then, um, I was offered a full-time, more of like a leadership role on the training team at Everybody Fights. And that had like health insurance and paid time off, which is so unheard of. So I quit everything else because that was kind of like the deal um, and signed the papers. And two weeks later, everything shut down and they had to furlough everybody. And I was just (laughs) devastated, like – calling my mom like i had to file for unemployment which like in hindsight like freaking everyone was it was not a personal thing but i was like i feel like a loser i'm a failure like what am i doing and now looking back the actual role itself i don't think i would have ended up being super happy in and it would have been a lot harder to like earn as much as i should be making and all of that. So everything for sure works out for a reason. But so everything shut down and we all were stuck in our houses. And like, remember at first they were like, oh, two weeks, flatten the curb." So I was like, okay. And at first the gym was only closed for like a long weekend. Like they didn't even say it like two weeks. They were like, okay, a long weekend. We're going to deep clean. We're going to find some like processes to like make everything better during this time and then obviously on Sunday they were like yes we'll be close for two weeks (laughs) aka like six months um so I never really used my Instagram for like any real intentional way like I feel like I just would post random like fitness pictures either from like instructor shoots or whatever but like nothing was really that Meaningful or intentional, and during that time, people were like, "Oh, what workouts should we do?" Blah, blah blah. So I started posting workouts, and then started doing like some live videos, like freaking everyone else. Um, but I feel like it kind of catapulted like a little bit of movement and growth, and getting in front of new people. And I mean, nothing super crazy, but even just that like block in my head of like, "Oh, I." Don't do that. I just do this. Like no one would care if I posted workouts. Like I'm not a fitness influencer or anything. Yeah. So I think that was huge. And then also in terms of just like taking care of myself, like I didn't have any gym equipment. I think I had the like five pound like silicone dumbbells <laughs> back there that I'd had for like ten years or something.
0: Right.
1: And that was it. Maybe some mini bands. And so like and. Going from teaching a bunch of spin classes every week and then also taking a bunch of classes and working out every day and being so, like, here, there, and everywhere to, like, seriously slowing down. And I thought that I would feel so much worse, but then I started feeling so much better. And, like, even looking back at photos of myself from right before everything closed, like, I feel like there was, like, no life behind my eyeballs, like – You could just tell my like skin, I mean, I had crazy hormonal acne Mm. just because I think I was just running on cortisol, like pumping through my veins, like my skin's dull, horrible hormonal acne. I remember just like constantly feeling like I was going to fall asleep standing up. And then now I realize like, oh yeah, because you would teach a double like spin two spin classes in a row in the morning and then go to teach it. Everybody Fights at night. But make sure you take a class before you start teaching because, like, you didn't do your own workout. Like, no. Oh, my God. That's not normal. Like, that's not what you need to do. But I think slowing down a little bit and also, like, changing what I was looking at. Like, I wasn't surrounded by all that anymore. And I tried to, like, follow people that were more on the other side of, like, Healthier relationships with food and exercise just kind of woke me up a little bit.
0: Totally, totally. I feel that like I I remember like pre pandemic, regularly going to the gym, like feeling like if I missed a workout, like feeling guilty over that. Yes, I mean, a lot of that like guilt. <laughs> like I have to make up for a lost workout, yes. or like if I felt like I you know went too hard one weekend and. Ate poorly, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: punishing myself, and I feel like in the pandemic, like being forced to like, I like couldn't go to the gym, so it was like find different ways to move your body, and it was for me a lot more like walks, bike rides, like things yeah.
1: Like-
0: I was like, oh wait, all of that was not going so well for me. Like I'm so much happier doing different things and like right. not so much of like the pressure just because like no one you like no one was going to the gym
1: right yeah. right right i don't know yeah no it totally is it that's exactly it the the pressure and you feel like you should be doing xyz like oh i must go to you know x amount of like various classes a week and i have to do this many spin classes like you don't need first of all you don't have to do anything <laughs> second of all like you shouldn't be doing high intensity workouts just across the board. Like it's so much better to mix it up and also more sustainable. Like you said, like if you found a love for like listening to a podcast and like going for a long walk around your neighborhood or meeting up with friends after work and going for walks and it's like exercise and some like really nice social time. Like if you find something that's more fun and enjoyable it's more sustainable. You're going to want to, like, you'll actually stick with it rather than all the times that you're like, all right, it starts on Monday and I'm going to go to the gym seven days this week. And I'm going to take these classes that I don't like, but I'm told that they're going to burn a thousand calories. So we're going to do it. And you do it for a week and then you skip like two days and you're like, oh, what's the point? You know?
0: Totally. Totally. And for me, it was like, i the whole like the whole time during the pandemic i was like i can't wait to get back to the gym like it's going to mm-hmm. be awesome but i got so accustomed to like doing at home workouts and and just being like i guess more active in my daily life in more gentle ways mm-hmm. that, like and i got really used to that and i was really enjoying it and then like started going back to the gym and i was like i don't know what to do here like i feel like i have to go back to my entire like old split and it was yeah. just like, I, I I like gave myself no um, like transition time, and I was like, and now I'm like, why why can't I motivate myself to get to get to the gym every day? Like I used to do this just fine, and I was like, it's it,
1: it's just I not the same me. as it was before. Like you just have different perspectives, and I totally feel the same way. Like especially, I'm not really working on everybody fights right now. I might end up going back but i just am like taking a little bit of a mental break um but like when we first reopened it felt like that rush to be like okay i have to be back and i have to be going to classes all the time so that way you know i'm meeting members and getting people to like sign up for personal training or take my classes so i get better in numbers and make those connections and But, like, I didn't want to. Like, I liked my home workouts that I had been doing. I liked just going for, like, a long walk instead. And I do enjoy going to classes, but the motivation to do it every day is just not there anymore. And that is more than okay. Yeah. For sure.
0: And so just for, like, people who are listening and might be feeling like, oh, my God, that's me. Like, I'm feeling the same way. Any, like, advice or just kind of, like... Anything you would share with those people who are feeling like, you know, maybe their routine has changed or they're struggling with motivation or, you know, kind of don't know how to motivate themselves or how to to be active in a sustainable way? Anything that you would share there?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, there are so many ways to go about it. And I am so much more in the mindset now of like just being more gentle with yourself, like emotionally taking that pressure off. So if you're not feeling motivated, honestly, like before doing anything else, I would try to look within yourself a little bit, maybe journal, just like reflect a little bit more of maybe like why you don't feel motivated. Are you dreading going to the gym? Are you not sure what to do? Like, Kind of try to pinpoint where those problems might lie. And then, I don't know, I feel like kind of like what we were just saying – Exploring, you know, a plethora of options, especially if you are lucky enough to live in a place like Boston, that there are so many pockets of wonderful communities within the fitness industry and so many different types of classes that you can take. So just giving yourself some time to explore and see what actually lights you up and then try to just do that for a little bit. Um... And get rid of the whole all or nothing approach. Like you don't need to dive headfirst and commit to six days a week or something. Just start small. Tell yourself, okay, I'm going to try to move X amount, you know, every day. And it could be anything like I'm going to go for a walk today or I'm going to stand up and stretch in between meetings or like just trying to find little ways and then the little things add up to more Um, and it's the same with the classes, like maybe you're totally new and you're not comfortable. So you find one thing, like maybe you were on the dance team in high school. So, and you loved that, but you hate exercise now, find like a dance fitness kind of class, go to that. And then maybe as you get more comfortable, you might feel confident to try other things. It just kind of opens up the doors.
0: I love that. I love the idea of like like you said, sit down and either journal or just kind of reflect on where the lack of motivation comes from because yeah. for me it's like oh, I'm not motivated. I suck. You know, <laughs> like Am yeah. I, but like there are probably things behind that that are like very real and very like reasonable um, factors at play. Totally. Um, so you know, so like people really like, that's not something I hear often. Like, oh, like, let's figure out, like, why, why you might not be feeling motivation. Because it's always like, here are the ways to get motivated. You know, wake up earlier, drink a green juice, and, like, scream out a car window
1: or something. (laughs) Right. Like, I feel like it's just, I don't know, I, I feel like I just was in that extreme fitness mindset for so long that's like, if you're not motivated to do all those things that you just said, then, like, you're just lazy. And it's, that's just not true. Like everyone has so much stuff going on. There's no point in like beating yourself up into working out because then you're probably just going to feel like crap about it anyways. Like maybe even go a step further and ask yourself like, am I not motivated because I didn't eat enough today so I don't feel like I have the energy to make it to the gym after work? Or did should I maybe try to go to sleep a little bit earlier? Or like there are just so many things that could – play into it. And also if you're only focusing on like changing the shape of your body or like weight loss or bust, I feel like that also is a really tough place to start from. Like finding other like intrinsic motivators, like the feeling after a workout, or if you do it with a friend, like great, it's social time. Like we're going to have fun. Anything like that is so much more motivating than like chasing a number on the scale, you know?
0: Totally. Yeah. It, it, it's so true. Like the idea of finding enjoyment like in the workout for, for what it is, whether that's being a social interaction for you or, you know, giving you that rush of endorphins is so much more sustainable than doing it so that you can look a certain way or right. um, you know, like lose weight or things like that that are... Ultimately, just going to discourage you, when it inevitably doesn't happen as quickly as you want it to, right? Or you expect it to, right? Um, and I feel like that ties in a lot to just like you know how people think about their own bodies and their yeah. kind of um, perceptions of themselves. And I know um, body confidence is something that you have you know explored and kind of um, something that you share a lot on your page. Um, to can you share a little bit more about you know like how to approach body confidence and like what that means um, and how that looks.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's definitely something new for me. Like I said, it wasn't the focus forever. Like I feel like pre-pandemic, I was very stuck in the mindset of like, well, I'm a personal trainer and if I don't look a certain way, no one is going to hire me to train them because like I don't have a six-pack app. So who would even want me, you know, and that's just not true. Um, but yeah, so my good friend, Marina Gearhart, if you don't follow her, look her up right now, take a pause of the podcast, go to Instagram, look up moving with Marina. Um, and she really shared with me the difference between body positivity and body confidence. So body confidence is more about acceptance and just the general overarching confidence that can waver, but it takes that pressure off of like, I have to always love my body and always be super positive about it because that's just not realistic. It's like a bad hair day, obviously a more extreme thing, but like you're not going to have a great hair day every day. It's humid as I don't know if I can swear on this, but it's really humid out and it's Monday. So my hair looks crazy today. I don't love it, but also it didn't stop me from like continuing on in my day, you know? So it's the same type of thing of just kind of rewiring your brain when you have those moments of like, oh, I look horrible today. Like it's just ruined, blah, blah, blah. And like really tying your worth to that. To stepping back and be like, okay, I don't feel super confident right now. Maybe I should change my outfit into something that fits me better, that I'll be more comfortable in. Maybe I just need to, like, remind myself, like, okay, this is the body that I am in today. Nothing's going to change. So, like, we have to just move forward in this moment today. Like, this is it. And... It's hard, but it's literally rewiring your brain because if you think about our whole lives, especially being a generation that grew up in like the early 2000s, like uber thin era where people just worship thinness, you're just taught to constantly hear that like fat phobic talk and like like that scene from Mean Girls, you know, like my shoulders are so wide and i you know, everyone sitting around, like, I feel like everyone has been in a situation like that where their girlfriends are just picking themselves apart and then you're sitting there like, well, crap, what do they think about me, you know? Totally. Yeah. So it's kind of catching yourself a little and being like, no, we're not doing that to ourselves today. Like, think about all the good things that your body does for you. Think about how amazing it is. Accept it. Doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Like, the... Mindset around it, but move forward because it's not everything.
0: Yeah, I love what you said about like in in just in in any given moment, being like, this is my body today. Like this is what we have because I feel like there's so much of a um a tendency to. Blame your body for not fitting into clothes when it's yeah. like, oh, you supposed to fit your body. Like, your body's not supposed yes. to fit clothes. And, like, a lot of things like that where, where people start to, like, again, put that value judgment on their body um, as opposed to the clothes or, or whatever it may be. Right. And I love, I just love the idea of being like, this is my body today. Like, it might not be, um, you know, driving tons of confidence and I might be not be thrilled with it in the moment, but like this is what we have to work with. So like right. that and, and just move forward because like my body is not the most interesting thing about me and we'll just continue the day. And yes.
1: Like-, like life is just too short. And there are so many things that you can do to like work your way there. Um Like even just like having control over what you see on Instagram, like you do have control over it. So if you're constantly – Like if you have this account that every time the pictures are posted, you're like feeling like crap about yourself, unfollow them or mute them and then seek out people that look like you, that don't look like you. Like there are so many really good accounts that are just like normal bodies, not just fucking photoshopped models. You know what I mean? And like seeing it in front of you is just like such a realization of like, oh yeah, no, this is what real people look like. So I don't know why I'm holding so much value to this. Like she doesn't even look like that. And I'm still holding it up to like the highest value.
0: Totally. I think that is so true. And it's one of those things where like, for a long time, I was following certain Instagram accounts, like quote unquote, for motivation. Yeah. Because I was like, this is what I want to look like, like whatever. And maybe to some degree, like that could be helpful if the the page is like also providing value, like Mm -hmm. workout tips and like things like that. Like, you know, actually, you know, you're getting value from it. But I find it so much more motivating to find people who look like me and like kind of like normal people who don't live like the Instagram uh, influencer, like lifestyle 100% of the time and yeah. like follow more authentic people. Cause I'm like, oh, they're just a, a real person like doing this. And that's so much more validating and, and motivating for me and energizing just in general than seeing like someone with, you know, a massively round butt and like washboard abs um be like you know this is my this is my outfit of the day and don't I look fabulous and I'm like yeah of course you do right um anyway Yeah.
1: yeah I mean it's huge like I think there's so many things that we like absorb way more than we really think that we do even I mean all the stuff that we grew up with like in the moment I don't really remember all that stuff. Like I don't necessarily remember having so many feelings of like hating my body or feeling like I need to do this or that, but it was really interesting kind of like in the beginning of all of this and like kind of transitioning my like fitness mindset. I wrote this blog post and I, it was just kind of like a brain dump. And as I was like thinking back to everything I realized how messed up so many of my thoughts were but they just seemed so normal in the time like because all of my friends were saying the same things about themselves or doing the same things or you know working out in the same way or trying the same fad diet so we all thought it was normal and it was normal because it was common but Mm -hmm. a very like unnecessary battle with your body and it is traumatizing. It is. Like, when you really think about it, like, your body, I feel like, holds that negativity more than you think that it does.
0: Totally. You
1: know? Totally. It's kind of like what you are talking about, about not having the respect for your body that, like, it does literally everything for you. <laughs> so instead, literally. work for it, like, not against it all the time. Yeah.
0: Like, your body's not the enemy, right? Like, it's like, right. it's you, so, Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like um, like part of this, along with um, some of the like social media intake that we have, like the influencers and kind of um, those unrealistic beauty standards, a lot of that kind of parallels diet culture, which is also like fighting hard to 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 force women to feel insecure um, Mm -hmm. and like these things. So, can you talk a little bit about? Um, just your relationship with diet culture, your kind of perspective on it. And then I know we talked a little bit about um intuitive eating and how you've kind of incorporated that into your lifestyle and, and thoughts around that.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like diet culture is a bitch, <laughs> but it is so real and it's everywhere. And I think we're coming to a really good crossroads in the world. Like, you don't see a lot of this stuff in your face quite as much. Like a lot of the gyms, like gyms that still really do it. I feel like get called out like, and I will call them out right now, like title in front of their gym being like guaranteed burning 1000 calories. Like you literally can't guarantee that. And that is your biggest selling point. Or like, I feel like last year or something, you know, BSC or one of those like big box gyms doing all the like burn off all your Thanksgiving dinner. You got to make it to the gym. You don't want those thick turkey thighs, like all of that BS. Um, But once you really recognize it and you like seek it out, you see how cringy it is also. So it's a little bit easier to be like, no, I'm like not subscribing to that and call them out on their bullshit. But I feel like that also was a really big part in like transitioning into a different mindset as a fitness instructor. Like when I may have previously been surrounded by people that post their weight on their Instagram stories or like live and die by before and after pictures and all of that. And Knowing what's good for your mental health and what's affecting you, like, it's okay to put up boundaries and make healthy choices for yourself and choose to not be surrounded by those people. And it's very similar to, like, the external, like, food police kind of thing, like, at family gatherings or, Mm -hmm. you know, if your mom is constantly – not saying that my mom does, Sue is an angel protector at all costs, but – Like if a mom or an aunt is like, you know, constantly commenting on your body or your food choices, like it's uncomfortable, but it's okay to be like, I'm not really comfortable discussing this with you. So I would really appreciate it if you stop commenting on my body. Um, So that's like one part of it. Um, But yeah, over the pandemic, my, I think it was like right when I was starting the podcast. Um, I had my friend on who's a dietitian and an intuitive eating counselor. And we were talking about a lot of this stuff and kind of like trying to get out of the whole diet culture bubble and kind of heal your relationship with food because I had like started sort of doing it without knowing what intuitive eating was. And then she turned me on to it and was like, you align with literally all of this. You should Totally become an intuitive eating counselor, which I'm still in the process of doing it. So I am not a total expert. So if I say something wrong, don't come at me. Um, but basically intuitive eating, I suggest every single person, if you feel trapped in a diet cycle, if you feel like you're constantly thinking about food choices and kind of like worrying about the next thing, or if you use Food to like emotionally cope, or you don't trust yourself around food. Like I felt like I had healed my relationship with food, but at the same time didn't trust myself to have dessert in the house or would like binge chocolate if I ever had it and stuff. So like clearly that's not a healed relationship. So um actually I have the book right here, which people can't see. But if you look up just intuitive eating, it's like Two lovely ladies on the on the cover, green and yellow. Um actually think I have a link to it in my Instagram bio. So if you don't want to search far and wide, it's there. Um, but it's so much of it is so like common sense almost. Like when you read it, you're like mind blown because you're like, duh, why have I not always been thinking about this? But basically, the purpose of intuitive eating is is to just create like a healthy relationship with food, with your body, with weight and all of that because it really is not um like there's not a focus on weight loss and I think a lot of people ask about that like oh can I do an intuitive eating diet and lose weight? Like you might lose weight depending on I guess what you were doing before and how you were treating your body, and but you also might gain weight, but it probably would be weight that you need you to. needed to gain. Yeah, like your body will probably find where it should be. Um, but it's really nice that it's so weight neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you want to know about it?
0: No, I think it's. I so for me, like, I I think I think in general, like, there are certainly people out there who like, you know, have maybe um, have difficult relationships with food and may have struggled with eating disorders for whatever reason. And like intuitive eating may not be for them at this point. But I feel like in general, like a lot of people can benefit from intuitive eating, but like don't know where to start or like how to to start. Like, um, especially if they do have a, um, you know, a challenging relationship with food to kind of get to a place where like intuitive eating is like working for them. Yes. Um, So any like tips on like how to start and, and where to kind of, um, just begin to, to heal that relationship?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, yeah, what you said was totally right. Um, if you do have an eating disorder and feel very out of control, um, like would definitely urge you to seek professional help rather than just like buying a book and like trying to fix it yourself because as much as we all think that, you know, we can, and it's scary to reach out for help. That I think would be the first step there. Um, I think the more that I read the book and the more that I like really reflected back to my like relationship with food and my eating habits I think I had like very disordered eating, maybe not like an extreme eating disorder, but um it definitely was eye-opening. Definitely read the book, like Google it, search it on Amazon, call up your local bookstore, buy the book. You can look up um intuitive eating counselors in your area. A lot of dietitians, I feel like, are now moving into this intuitive eating realm. Um And soon I will be offering some counseling with, um, some like personal training. And with some of that, I'll probably do some like group programs that focuses on like the full picture exercise, food, body confidence altogether. Um, but in general, um, I feel like coming to terms, With the fact that you don't need to diet anymore is a weird, almost scary, like commitment that you're making to yourself when think about throughout your life, like, I don't know, so many of like the major milestones, like, okay, spring break is coming up. I got to eat X, Y, and Z. Even if you're not doing an extreme diet, you know, like, oh, can't eat this because I have to be in a bathing suit soon or like everyone getting engaged and then like starving themselves for a year because they have to look like not even themselves on their wedding day and like no judgment. It's not their fault that they feel that way. Um, or, you know, all your coworkers are doing the keto diet. So now you should do that too. Like it is a whole part of society that you're just being like you're rejecting. So it is scary to kind of make that leap. But let me just tell you, the freedom is so, so worth it. Like, it is just wild to think back to how much of, like, my time and my energy was spent just thinking about food. Like, it's so silly when you really break it down.
0: (laughs) Totally. Totally. I feel like one of the things that, for me, has been the hardest to wrap my mind around is that, like the food itself that I'm eating doesn't have, like, moral value to it. Yes, yeah, no good and bad. And that's important to pay attention to. You want to make sure you're getting your nutrients when you need them. But, like, for me, feeling like I'm eating a bad food as in this is – this makes me somehow a worse person because I – Yeah. One of the things that I've struggled with most, most is, like, separating the, like, Nutritional value from, like, actual inherent moral value of a food, which is just –
1: Yeah, no. I mean, and it's – we all, I feel like, go through that because how long have you been taught that, you know? Like, chocolate is bad, broccoli is good, and there's no in between. And when you do that, it, like, just puts that pressure on again of, like, oh, I was bad today. Or, like, I had a donut for breakfast. I was so bad. So now I'm just going to eat, like, crap all day long and feel horrible about myself and, you know, whatever. I blew it. So now it's just all to shit. And it's, like – Totally. No. Like, if you take that pressure off yourself, you – because the focus is so much more on, like – like, they call it, like, gentle nutrition – So, like, you want to be thinking about nutritional value mostly because it's, like, out of respect for your body and knowing how good you'll feel. Like, I feel like one of the biggest, like, comments that people make when they, like, first hear about intuitive eating is, like, if I was allowed to eat whatever I wanted, like, I would gain so much weight and I would just, like, eat, like, crap all the time. and just, like, eat, you know – all of my like quote unquote cheap foods. And it's like Mm -hmm. maybe at first you would do that just because you've been holding yourself back so much um, Mm -hmm. and like really restricting and your body is like probably in kind of like a fight or flight, like starvation mode if you're constantly in like a deficit. Um, But after a while you are not going to want to feel the way that you'll feel if all of your – like all the things that you're eating – don't have high nutritional value. So eventually you'll make that shift of like, oh, now my body is craving like a salad or like like even after like a vacation, you know, when you are eating out all the time and maybe drinking and really not like taking into consideration any nutrition things, which is fine. But that like next day you're like, oh man, I want lettuce. <laughs> what? <Totally. laughs> you know?
0: Totally. Yeah. I think I think that's like it's so important. Um, just to highlight your point about like I don't like making a mistake with your food and then like the whole day being ruined. So you like might as well like steer into the skid and like totally right, right. It's so interesting that like that's how I don't know. I feel like it's it framed for so many people, which is because of diet culture. It's yes. like if you screw up, it's like all ruined like all the progress made is ruined and I feel like yeah you're so right that like once you kind of release yourself from that intuitive eating ultimately does like you know like you said maybe you in the beginning you might be following um you know following all, all your cravings and things like that and it might be a lot of um nutritionally not great food but like to your point you'll start to feel better when you have the food that has the nutritional value that like, and, and you'll enjoy that feeling more than um, like, it, it just becomes worth it and you start to crave that. So it's really
1: right. And it's like, I don't know, you find yourself in a balance of like, if there are foods that used to be, it sounds silly, but like a, a scary kind of food, like, a, you know, carbs typically get the bad rap. Um and like – or like, I don't know, cheese or whatever. Like I feel like there were some foods that I used to avoid like Monday through Friday It's like, oh, I'm being good. And now it's like well, I don't think twice about adding goat cheese to my salad or like having toast with breakfast. <laughs> like there yeah. is also that balance. And that's a huge part of it is like one of the pillars, I guess they call it, um, is making peace with food. So like if you think about – I don't know if you've ever done this, but I feel like so many people that are in that like fitness mode, it's you have your one cheat day or like two cheat days, whatever it is, or two cheat meals like (laughs) throughout the week. So you're depriving yourself all week just thinking about that cheat day and the cheat day comes and you lose your mind and end up probably binging and feeling like mentally horrible, physically horrible, because in your head, this is it. And now I'm going to have to do six more days of like super rigid, tasteless food. So, like, I have to do it now. Where and like the whole mindset of, oh, I can't keep chocolate in the house because you don't ever do it. So, when it's there, you go crazy. But So a lot of it is like one by one picking out, okay, what are like the scary foods to you, making sure you have plenty of them in the house so that way when you eat it, you can like enjoy it and like eat it a little more mindfully, maybe not like just stuffing your face in front of a TV or whatever. And then you can stop when you feel like your craving was satisfied because you're like, I can always get up and go get more or like tomorrow I'll probably have a few pieces of that chocolate again. So like, I don't need to like go ham right now, you know?
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot of like people who do that kind of like binging and like rigid diet, like you end up not being able to follow your hunger cues like at all. You can't, you just like can't rely on those. And so that's what I feel like. Leads to overeating and things like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you're hungry all the time. So you just, but you like don't feed yourself when you have that hunger cue. And then, yeah, it. It's just, like it throws your body off and it, it puts your body like in this weird cycle that I think leads to like not knowing when you're full, not knowing you know, thousand you
1: percent. Eating. There's a and whole then- section in the book about that. And it is, it's a little jarring when you read it because I think. I don't know. People just have that like mindset of like, oh, you're not motivated enough. You don't have enough willpower, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know when the way that they lay it out, just like your body is a natural response is like begging for like nutrients or, you know, calories and you ignoring it. And it just goes into like panic mode. And I feel like it's really easy to like separate yourself from your body and like think it's like oh it's just it's just me like it you have to take care of it like it is telling you what it needs and so yeah I mean when you are constantly ignoring your hunger cues then it actually your hunger cues sometimes start to go away because your body's asking 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 and if it's not getting it it's like well this isn't working so I'm gonna stop asking and then it waits until you're like literally going to pass out. And then you get to the point of like ravenous and then you go ham, right. you know? Yeah. And it is in that constant state of like fight or flight, starvation mode, panic mode. And then it's like cortisol, all the things.
0: Right. Right. The stress so, to the max. Yeah. So not sustainable. So not enjoyable. Like. Yeah.
1: Like it just doesn't have to be like that. And I'm not saying any of it with any judgment. Cause like, I've been there for a lot of years of my life and it's so common and it makes me so sad now to like watch like friends or other people I know kind of like stuck in that pattern because it just like doesn't need to be that way at all. And like life is just about so much more than like being the same size that you were when you were like 20 years old, <laughs> right, totally. like there is so much more to it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's tough because it is so like deeply ingrained. Yeah. Like, I, like my parents' generation, like who
1: mm.
0: like care a lot about their weight, the number on the scale and who will forever think that like carbs are bad because yeah. like 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, that was like the mainstream, like
1: mm-hmm
0: don't eat pasta and potatoes. That's the reason you're like not looking the way you want to look. And I feel like it's just been just, like so many years and decades of that diet culture just everywhere. Yeah. it's so hard to unlearn that. And it is like a process. It
1: is. Um, yeah. And it's hard when you're making those changes and then you have, you know, maybe people in your family that just were raised in different generations where, you know – We saw a different side of it, like the way that people talked about women celebrities in the early 2000s, and like you know, on Friends, like think about how tiny Rachel and Monica were, and like or like Marissa on the OC, like all of those. But I look back to like people's like moms that I know that like still weigh themselves every single morning and are literally on Weight Watchers for their entire lives because. It is such a thing of like, oh, can't gain a pound. Like, gotta gotta stay trim. <laughs> like, totally. No.
0: Also, like weighing yourself every day, like your your body fluctuates. Like, yes, just, that's such a.
1: Like, you could a gain world. five pounds in a day, just like pure water weight. <laughs> totally, like, totally. It's yeah. Throw the scale away. First thing, first tip I would tell you. Yeah, Break up with the scale because it literally doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. Final, final sort of um, any additional thoughts you'd like to leave us with, or um, in addition to that, I'd love to um, have you let everyone know where they can find you and what to look out for. This is kind of your, um, you know, shameless plug. If you have anything really exciting on the on the horizon, I'll give you the last couple of minutes here.
1: Okay. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, definitely, like I said, buy the book or follow me on Instagram. It's just at buildwithbrabeck, B-R-A-B-E-C. Because, like, I just am really passionate about it just because, like, life can be so much just, like, easier if you're not focused. Like, there's just too many other things That we need to worry about. We don't need to also be at odds with our bodies and like food all the time. And also, the less time that we spend worrying about our next meal or the diet that we need to go on or, you know, working out for a million hours a day, the more time we have to take down the motherfucking patriarchy. Am I wrong? Let's go. Um, go. So yeah, follow me on Instagram, listen to the Build With Brayback podcast. It's also linked on my Instagram. That's pretty much where you can find anything and everything. Um, I just started teaching at the Handlebar. If you want to come take indoor cycling classes, soon to be kettlebell classes at the new Back Bay studio. Um, I don't know what else. Oh, soon (laughs) – when I, you know, get my act together, um, I will be offering, like I said, one-on-one and group, like intuitive eating, personal training, a nice mixture of both or one or the other, um, and also a Patreon channel with workouts and intuitive eating tips and bonus podcast episodes, so follow me for that stuff, because, like, I don't know when it's going to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Barbara, yeah, the, the Instagram's where to go, I've welcome that's amazing well thank you so much amanda this is awesome i really enjoyed this um and i appreciate you kind of chatting here and and being very real and very vulnerable um and you know i learned a lot so thanks
1: yay well thank you again for having me on it was so much fun
0: everyone check amanda out we'll have all you need to to find her linked below in the description box and come back soon for another episode so